The Believer's Walk of Faith is paid for by Bill Winston Ministries partners and viewers. Hello, I'm Bill Winston and welcome to The Believer's Walk of Faith, where we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, we have a special teaching for you today. God has really placed on my heart a topic of leadership. Now, as you can look around, you can see in a lot of places there's a leadership void. Something is happening with leadership. And no matter where in life you go or what profession you're in or what uh, vocation you're working in or just where you are in life, whether you are a Fortune 500 company executive or whether you're a teacher, whether you're a home, stay-at-home mom or dad, uh, leadership is needed. And leadership is not something that just comes automatic, meaning that you need to be developed in leadership or we need to be developed in leadership. And um, so it's most important, I think, that I teach on leadership and give some leadership development so that the people of God can rise up to the positions that God strategically has planned for them and be able to lead our nations or our cities and lead people back to God. So that's the bottom line of all godly leadership is to turn the nations back to God. All right, first scripture, let's open up to um, Romans. And it's Romans chapter... Eight. Now, this scripture, I mean, as we read it, it doesn't look like it applies to leadership, but it really does. He said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 19, he said, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, that sons of God there is really not talking about a gender. It's talking about a maturity. So a sons of God versus a baby which is immature, and then a, a mature son, which is mature. God wants that to happen in our lives. So he wants us to grow up, to be mature. Paul many times uh, began to talk to the church. He said over in uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, Paul writes this to the church at Corinth. He says this, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as a, a spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. For where there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? One of the translations says walk as mere men. So it's kind of interesting here that God has planned for the church to grow, grow up. Now, what are we growing up for? Well, we have to grow up really to receive the promises of God. And you'll find that also over in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 4, and I'll start reading here, starting here at verse 1. Now, the heir, as long as he's a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. So he's saying that, when a person comes into Christ and refuses to grow, he is saying, uh, another translation says, he's, he's nothing more than a, than a slave, meaning that that person can't receive the inheritance that God has for them. God has planned for this particular person to uh, run the whole estate. And so when a person refuses to grow up spiritually, uh, they can't run the estate. Well, let's call the estate the earth. So God wants us to run the earth. Well, why are, isn't the church doing that? And I think what I've come up with 
is that the church has not really grown up and matured in the word and the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, meaning that they've got problems they can't solve or they've got issues that they don't know how to deal with. Now I'm saying that the problem, the church is the one that God has sent to deal with those problems. Well, this is about taking the lead. This is about the church getting what it takes to provide the leadership for the world so that we can not only change the nations, but turn the nations back to God. That's what it's all about. Well, let's talk about leaders first. What is a leader? Now, I've got some different characteristics of a leader here, and through that, we can kind of summarize as to what a leader is. One of the characteristics of a leader is one who possesses character and inspires confidence. Possesses character and inspires confidence. This character thing in, in these last days is something that is very, very important. Ethics, if you might call it, uh, being honest with people, uh, being able to buy something at the store and it work, you know what I mean? Be able to get what you paid for, um, but character. And it's, it's, it's amazing. The Bible talks about it. The Bible says, keep your word even if it hurts. That's what it says. That's a translation of it. That's found over in uh, Psalms chapter 15. He says in verse 4, In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. We call it integrity. So a person who gives the word their word and keeps it. You remember years ago when, well, you might not remember, but some of the older saints might remember. I mean, you could shake your hand on a deal. You'd shake your hand on a deal, and a handshake was a covenant. And you can walk away, come back in a year, and that covenant is kept. They'll keep, keep their word. That's why on businesses, sometimes they have been in business since 1888. You know what I mean? They're trying to say that, that we're honest people. We, we, we're staying in business, so forth and so on. So a leader is one who has character, will keep the word that they give to you. And why? Because that's the way God is. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. So whatever he spoke, he's going to keep that word. And I thank God for that. Thank God. He doesn't change. I get up one morning and God has changed his mind. Boy, let me tell you, I'd be in trouble. So I have to rely on the fact that God has character, but he wants us to have character. Now, some nations don't even understand character. They, as a matter of fact, bribing is a way of business. Now, understand God wants the kingdom to come there. He wants this whole nation to understand character and honesty and so forth, and it has to come out of the church. Wherever we are planted, God plans for the kingdom to come there. So inspires confidence. That is, you know, people give you encouragement. They say, hey, you can do this. Now, I'm talking about a good leader now, godly leader. You can do this. Now, every one of us, I don't know where you, what you've come through and experiences, but I know myself when I was uh, learning to fly airplanes and I was going from, um, I was in pilot training in the military, the U.S. Air Force, and I was going from, from one level of airplane to another, from the airplanes with a propeller to airplanes with a jet engine. And I tell you, when, when my instructor told me, he said, all right, I'm in, in jet training now. 
He said, come to a full stop. I'll get out and you take it around yourself. I mean, I, I thought I, I misheard him. I thought he said, take it around and kill yourself. You know, I beat up, said, whoa. I said, wait, wait. I said, hold, hold on. Am I ready to take it around? He said, you are ready. Now, this is interesting now. He gave me a few encouraging words. Boom. He closed down the canopy. And I took off, came down safely. Praise God. Now, he was pushing me. And I think in basketball, in professional basketball, they encourage him sometimes. And I think sometimes that's even why the crowd is behind you, to kind of encourage you and so forth. Because inspiring confidence, confidence in what you can do. And I tell you, God is the same way. You know, I sometimes preach on Sunday and then I come back Monday morning, get before prayer. And, and I said, Lord, I, I, I messed up on that. He said, yeah, I understand it, but you, you, you did all right. I mean, really. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, I remember him telling me one time, just put me at ease. He said, my power is greater than your mistake. I said, man, okay, praise God. He said, I can fix anything that's broke. I said, got it, Lord. So that's number one. A person who has character, possesses character, and inspires confidence. Another one is a leader who others want to follow. Not, not made to follow, want to follow. So I want to follow this particular person. I said, yeah, okay. Now, I've seen that because I've seen other people I don't want to follow. Now, I've been, again, in the military, and I've seen the folks I didn't want to follow. I just happened to be under their command, and I had to do, you know, what was called on me to do. But I tell you, their leadership ability was, you know, questionable. Now, I didn't find that often, especially in the flying, in the flying area. So, um, but that. And then I went, to, I remember coming with IBM, and I was training in computers and so forth. And there was a leader that they assigned me to who was a manager. But he had kind of a lifestyle that, that I knew wasn't best for me learning. I knew it wasn't. So what did I do? I requested a new leader. Now, my boss, I went to my boss's boss. And he said, Bill, what's wrong? I said, well, I, said, well, I, I didn't want to go into it. I said, I just don't think that is the best environment for me to learn. Because you know, sometimes your environment just has a lot to do with it. And so he said, okay. So three or four days later, he came back to me and called me in and told me who my new manager was. Boom. I just shot up the ranks. I became president of three of my big classes in New York. I say, so, I mean, you name it. Why? That, that leader had the confidence that I need or, and, and inspired the confidence that I need. He was the kind of leader that I thought. I felt that I wanted to follow. He was a very smart gentleman, and he had his, I mean, as you say, have your stuff together and so forth like that, but that was the leader. Now, I know everybody doesn't have that kind of leadership, but God wants us to have that kind of leadership in us. He wants us to be the kind of people other people want to follow, not made to follow, want to follow. Now, that's whether you're leading the home, whether you're leading a company, whether you're leading in a church, Wherever you are, he wants you to be the kind of person other people want to follow. The next one is one who leads others to leadership. A good leader, godly leader, is one who leads others to leadership. I mean, here are some people and you, let's say they're training under you and so forth like that. Sometimes people who are unsure about themselves hold back things, little secrets of the industry, whatever have you. Why? Because they don't want everybody to know what they know. But you think about Jesus. He not only wanted them to know what he knew, 
but do what he did. <laughs> and you know why? Because one day he knew he was leaving. See, God is a constant promoter. He wants to constantly promote you, take you from one level to the other, whether you're talking about the level of love or whether you're talking about the level of long suffering, whether, whatever it is, the fruit of the spirit, whether you're talking about your, your skill level and so forth, he wants to take you from one level to the other. Now, of course, you, you have to see him as, as your source and so forth, but he wants to do, he wants to constantly promote you. Here's what he said over in Genesis. This is Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 12. He says in verse two, and I'll make of thee a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, when he said, make your name great, I looked it up in the Amplified. He had said, I'll make your name famous and distinguished. Well, I didn't start out that way in the military, or I didn't start out that way in IBM, or I didn't start out that way in the ministry. Nobody knew me when I came to Chicago in the ministry. I came with $200 and nobody cared. But notice what God is doing. He said, I'll do this for you. See, you don't have to try to, you know, run behind some manager wanting him to see you or position your desk at the door so he could see you at work. What well, you don't have to do, or she see you at work. You don't have to do that. What you have to do is please God. Just do what he says and watch God promote you. Now, what is he doing? He doesn't promote on popularity. He promotes on integrity. He waits on the integrity. Now, what the world will do, they'll promote on popularity. In other words, you, let's say you're good at your sport and you have some skills and, and people say, okay, you know, he's famous and that. Next thing you know, the news media is blowing that person up and so forth. And meanwhile, that person's private life or that person's life, you know, they're doing some things that are totally without integrity, you know, in, the, in their own lives. And so God waits on that. Same thing. Uh, one of the people that I use in the scriptures constantly is Joseph and how Joseph actually had that integrity that God would continue to promote him. So I'll just say that because he does wait on your integrity. He, he really does. Sometimes you think you're ready and God said, you are not ready. <laughs> he puts you up there and the enemy will use you for target practice. <laughs> so what he's saying is, let's wait on the Lord. Let's develop not only the skill and the, and the confidence and character, but let's develop that integrity that goes along with that. So God would promote us. Now, why does he want, he want to promote us? He wants to promote us mainly so that we could have influence to turn the world back to God. That takes me to my fourth reason or, or definition or if you will, characterization of what a leader, good leader is. One who guides by influence. One who guides by influence. It is amazing how God desires to influence the world to bring them to him. Here's what he says over in Matthew chapter five. Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your father. Isn't that something? So he doesn't leave off performance. Say Joseph, for example, remember Joseph and he had a dream and his brothers got envious and sold him as a slave and he went down to Egypt and here he was being raised up in Potiphar's house, then falsely accused and thrown in jail. But then now he's being raised up because Pharaoh has a problem he can't solve and Joseph has the wisdom of God. So Joseph comes up, starts solving his problem and now Pharaoh asks about his father. What about your father? Now, what is he saying here? 
when you perform and they see your good works, they're going to ask about your father. They're going to ask, how, you, how do you know all of this? What, what, what are you doing to be able to perform like this? That's what they did me in IBM. I got saved and I got a hold of these scriptures that God would promote me, that God would give me a, an increase, that God would teach me how to do things and so forth. I use Isaiah 48, 17. I am the Lord thy God, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, which teaches thee to profit and lead thee by the way that thou should go. God is going to tell me how to be uh, uh, dominant in this marketing environment. And he did. Top of the ladder in sales, downtown, <laughs> in Chicago. So what am I saying? What he did for me, do for you. But this is a part of leadership. Now, what does he want to do? Folks, when he got me there, I was, I was at sometimes taking four or five people to church every Sunday. Different people. Why? They didn't notice me while I was down at the bottom. But once I got to the top, they want to know how to do this. Why? Because they want to do it. And so just taking people and introducing them to Christ. Well, God is not just interested in ones and twosies. He wants a whole nation to come back to him. So he wants people in leadership that can help him lead people back to him because the world is going away while they're following people that may not necessarily be the right people to follow. Why? Because they don't understand true leadership. So what am I saying? I'm saying that now he is saying in the scriptures that uh, the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Let's just cover one more thing here while we're here. The different spheres of influence that uh, shape a culture, the different spheres of influence. Now, what do I talk about? Just imagine one man says seven mountains. Or another per person characterizes it as seven areas of the uh, main areas of a culture. But here they are. One is religion, that's what we call it, but a faith. That's the thing that mainly shapes a culture, a faith. Another one is family, a family, and a family is key for shaping a culture. Another one is education, and this is the thing that shapes the mind. Another one is the government, this thing makes the laws, so forth and so on. Another one is media, and you know media has tremendous influence on people's lives. Another one is arts and entertainment. It's a category by itself that people are in sports or in uh, looked at as being under this particular topic. And then there is media, uh, pardon me, there is business. And the business side is the economy and things that help shape the economy. Now, putting all these things together, God is looking to raise up his people in each one of those areas. Now, what he looks for is people to come to a church, a local church, and a church teach the, teaches them and prepares them to be raised up in these industries. You got what I'm saying? See, if you want to take the mountain, you got to go into the mountain. You can't change a culture outside the culture. You got to go in the culture. So he wants the church to raise up leaders that are politicians, leaders that are educators, leaders that are so forth. Now, as they get into their area of expertise or profession, now they're raised up. God promotes them in those areas. Why? I'm going to cover it next time. But he gives them an anointing that they can know things. And God will raise them up in those areas so they'll perform 
and then get them at the top. Now understand when you start moving to the top, uh, right there, um, the enemy zeroes in on people. He really does. He tries to stop that rise. Why? Because he's got his people occupying the top. It's whoever really is on the top of the mountain pretty much controls the mountain. And so he wants his people to stay on top. I mean, the Bible's never were supposed to come out of schools. But somehow there was no outcry against it. And I think because uh, a lot of God's people didn't know what their role was in terms of leading a nation. And as a result of that, kind of let it go and so forth. Somebody said, well, you know, there, there, there are laws that were made on it. Well, there were laws that were made against the three Hebrews that they could not, that they were supposed to bow down. But did they? No. And when they didn't bow down, they threw them in the, in the furnace of fire. Did they burn? No, they didn't burn. Why? Because God protects his people in those systems. How about Daniel? Same thing. They made a law just to trap Daniel. And they said, this law says you cannot pray to any other God, anybody else except the, the king uh, for these next 30 days. What did Daniel do? He opened his window and prayed. You see what I'm saying? I'm saying that once you start rising, Satan usually begins to target you for destruction. So you, you got to be developed. You got you to be an inside-out person. A person that's outside-in person is always affected by what somebody else, is think, somebody else thinks. A person that's an inside-out person is never affected by what somebody else thinks. They're only affected by what they know, what God speaks to their hearts, so forth and so on. And for you to get somewhere in that environment, you're going to have to be an inside-out person. Let's look at one more thing in taking the lead. It's a word called potential. Now, what is potential? It's hidden abilities. It's abilities that are in you that God placed there so that you can do what God has purpose for you to do before you came into the earth. I mean, God had already made a plan for you. Now, if I have a seed in my hand, inside that seed is a tree. Now, think about it this way. God loaded something in you before you were born. That's potential. Loaded it up. Now, what do you do? You come into the earth and this potential begins to emerge. The main way the potential comes from the inside out is through work. That's why every Christian needs work. Now, if somebody is not is disabled and not able to work, I understand. But that's why you have no retirement in the Bible, because you have enough potential for you to, to last for eternity. I mean, it's going to be coming out from now on. So work is a thing that delivers potential. And usually I characterize work against a job. A job brings a paycheck. A work delivers potential. Now, you can have a job that is work. But sometimes people say, I just want a job, you know, and the Bible says in all labor, there's profit. So you can do that and get a job and actually prop be profitable for that. But the ideal is that you get a job that is in line with your purpose and your potential. Now you're about to rise. And so that's the key. So one of the things that's been epidemic in these last generations is, is what am I supposed to do? What's my purpose in life? And this man wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. All right, so what I want to say is this. Let me just go over these real quickly because I'm out of time. So in potential, 
The key to releasing that potential, I put down some points here. One is it must be connected to the source. So got to be connected to God. Secondly, must understand how you are designed to function. And we're designed to function by faith. Number three, you must know your purpose to work out that potential. You've got to know what you've been purposed to do to get full potential out of your life. Number four, you must have a proper environment for that potential to come forth. And then number five, violation of kingdom laws will limit the release of your potential. Now realize God put it in you, watch this, and it's enough potential in you to last eternally. Because God is not just looking at this earth right now where you are. He's looking at eternity. So there's enough potential in. So what am I saying to you? That you have a purpose in this life. You have potential. Watch this. And you are a leader. The idea is about what is it that God wants me to lead in? Because whatever it is, he's going to use your performance to turn people back to Christ. Oh, it's a powerful teaching. Well, praise God. That's all we have for this time. This is Bill Winston saying I'll see you next time and keep walking by faith. Expand your thinking, vision, and leadership capacity in Developing Godly Leadership. To order your copy of today's series on CD or DVD, MP3 or MP4, contact us online at BillWinston.org or call us at 1-800-711-9327. My name is Mildred Maddox. I'm from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I became saved some years ago, and after giving my life to God, I had a hunger and thirst for to know His Word. I was hearing preaching, but no teaching. And one day, I happened to turn on the TV. This man is talking about faith. What is faith? I had read about faith, but I had not been taught on faith and I started listening to his teaching and from his teachings from those broadcasts it taught me how to live by faith how to start speaking my whole mindset changed and when my mindset changed by listening and applying the Word of God my whole life turned I was uh, working for another person and he I stepped out I said, God, you said that you shall supply all of my needs. And uh, through listening and applying and applying the law of confession and faith, God blessed me to open up two businesses, businesses that I know I could not have done because everything around me said, no, you can't, you know. And, uh, and through that, one of them every day at 1030, in that business, my TV is on to build Winston's ministry. And all of my clients that comes in there, even the, one, the ones as a regular clients, they already know if they get there at 10.15, Ms. Mildred, you don't have the TV on. I say you don't come on until 10.30. They are hungry. They, they have, I have had people to come in and just sit and listen to the teaching on that 10.30 service and came in and asked me, what must I do to be saved? And you know, and I just say, I thank God. I credit all that to God connecting me 
through broadcast, I had never seen him before, never been around, but through broadcast in all those years that he connected me with this ministry and it connected other people, drawed other people to Christ and it have changed my life. And I just thank God because if it wasn't for you all that was partnering at that time that the ministry could go through the television where I could get it, I, I don't know where I would be right now. So I say thank you all, and I thank God.